As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome into Season 9, Episode 27 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway, Ontario only. It must be 19 years or of age or older. Please play responsibly. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. D, how's it going, bud? Kick play, man. Happy to be here. Uh, nice light Wednesday night and uh, makes for a, a beautiful night for podcasting. So happy to be here with two of my very best friends in the world talking fantasy hockey. Oh, you expect me to, to respond after that heartwarming? I, I'm, I'm puddles over here. Um, that was nice. It's great to be here, boys. We have playoff football this weekend. Both our teams made it. So we're happy guys out here. Um but as you guys know, this is a hockey podcast, and we're at the halfway point this year. So uh, that's exciting. I like that. The year has flown. Um, I feel like everyone's hurt. I it literally feel flown. like everyone's hurt. We Thank put out a tweet the other day that uh, just to see um, to our listeners, and that said, hey, show us your rosters if uh, if, if, you, if you're facing that injury bug. And we had a couple that came out. It's like eight guys hurt, like superstars, too. Um, so if that is happening, we're glad you listen to the pod and we will continue to try to help you through this ridiculousness. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's been a quick first half for sure. My, uh, my big money league of record, I'm just rolling one defenseman right now. Cause like, I just cannot <laughs> afford to pick up anybody else. The, the rosters are small and the IR spots are limited and I lost Heiskanen and Zach Rowensky recently. So I'm just rolling just Brent Burns right now. <laughs> like it's all I've got. And I've been facing like my toughest like closest matchups of the year. I've been pretty dominant in that league. And right now I'm just like, maybe I should pick up another defenseman, but no, it's just, no. it's not going, it's not going well. I had Thomas Harley for a minute, but uh, he gone. Um, all right. Speaking of the midway point of the season, uh, we are going to take a look back at the first half of the fantasy hockey season and talk about our uh, first half awards. Uh, we we're giving a giveaway seven awards today. Fantasy hockey midway MVP, the best forward draft value pick, the worst, uh, forward draft pick, the biggest bust. Uh, then a value pick at defenseman, worst bust at defenseman, a value pick at goalie, and worst bust at goalie. Um, not just are we going to give out our awards, but we also polled the listeners to th- to get finger on the pulse of who they think were the winners of these specific awards as well. 
And then in the Betway Bets of the Day, we're going to take a look at the actual awards, the NHL awards, and give our best bets, our best value bets of the day uh, for the Vezina Trophy, the Hart Trophy, the Norris Trophy, and the Rocket Richard. So without further ado, let's get right in. We'll start with the Fantasy Hockey MVP. And D, you and I both picked Nikita Kucherov, and he also led the fan vote as well, receiving 40% of the fan vote. Uh, Nikita Kucherov um, was also closely followed by Nathan McKinnon in the fan vote. Um, but Nikita Kucherov for UD, why is he your fantasy hockey MVP? Yeah, I think you could have given it to, you know, any three or four of those top guys. Uh, McKinnon, you mentioned, I think Matthews probably deserves a shout too. Uh, I'm sure there's certain points leagues that reward goals a little bit heavier where he's just been uh, cleaning up and locking up matchups week in and week out. But uh, it just came down to ADP. Like I said, I think you could pick really any three of those guys. You probably throw Pasternak in there as well. Um, but Kucherov was uh, very clearly going after uh, all those other names we mentioned, right? So it just sets you up so much better for the rest of the draft for that second round. Um, coming back puts you right in line for guys like uh, Marner, Nylander, uh, Pedersen were all going in that range. So it was just so much easier to stack what ended up being uh, you know, two top 15 skaters or even one of the top goaltenders if you ended up going that route, uh, or maybe of a car if he slipped a little bit. Um, so yeah, it just sets you up a whole lot better and you're getting really equal production uh, for a guy that's been on fire for the the entire season. So that's why I ended up going with Kucherov, but I think there's, like I said, three or four names that you could have easily uh, went there. Yeah, just to remind the listeners, his ADP was 78 and uh, he's currently ranked as the number one fantasy uh, player overall in Yahoo standard leagues. Went behind McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pasternak, McKinnon, Kachuk, and Matthews. Kucherov, uh, been splendid to start the year. Leads the NHL in points with 67, 28 goals, 39 assists in 41 games. And it, it's pretty wild because the Lightning, by and large, have not been very good. Um, they've struggled uh, mostly defensively because Kucherov's obviously still getting his, but currently on pace for what would be a career high 134 points previous career high was 128 so he was my fantasy hockey mvp for the same reason as ud just really nice value there uh started to slip in drafts a little bit we weren't 100 sure why um and, and i think what's most interesting is by picking him you know in that spot you also bypassed a couple of guys who were like a little bit busty right i mean jason robertson hasn't quite lived up to expectation uh, Tage Thompson, Kirill Kaprizov, guys that were kind of going into similar range, they have not lived up to expectations. So if you went Kucherov in that spot, you've been uh, rewarded handsomely. And then, yeah, some of the other names, I think Sidney Crosby was one that stuck out to me as well that would have been there uh, at ADP in the second round. That's been just absolutely terrific. And uh, if you paired those two together, you are looking pretty good. But D, or sorry, Beebs, you went a little bit of a different route. Your fantasy hockey first half MVP was Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I definitely thought there was obviously a case for Kucherov. I was right there with you guys, but I kind of wanted to throw a curveball here. And, and I think I got a pretty good case for Mr. Connor Hellebuck. Um, friend of Brock, I will say specifically, he has been a Hellebuck stan for the longest time. And uh, this is why. Hellebuck this year, um, the reason why I give him this MVP is mostly because the goalies around him have just absolutely decimated their fantasy teams. The four goalies who went ahead of him, um, and we're talking Igor Shosturkin, uh, Ilya Sorokin, uh, 
Jake Ottinger, and Alexander Gorgiev. None of them have a save percentage above a 908, which is just killing teams, including Gorgiev, who's at an 894. So a lot of these teams drafted goaltenders expecting that to be their goaltender number one. They probably held off on other goalies as the draft went because they used early picks on goaltenders, and that has just killed them. We've heard so much about people complaining, you know, saying, what, like, what are these goalies? And, and, and we've said it, goalies are voodoo. But Connor Hellebuck has been an absolute stud if you took him as your number one goalie and you are likely miles ahead of other teams in your league with him in your net. He's currently second in the NHL and wins fourth and save percentage, third in goals against average. He also has two shutouts. And as I mentioned, he was the fifth goalie going off the board. So if you are, if you are that much ahead of the next four teams with your goaltending, you could afford to take, take chances on guys later. Um, And you likely hit on other spots where these, these teams are panicking, need to make trades now. And like I mentioned, they probably didn't. If if you drafted one of those top four goalies, you're not, you're not addressing a goalie for a long time. And you're likely, like I said, you know, you, you grabbed a rhymer later to, to round out your two goalies. You grabbed a Billy Huso. Sorry, Brock. I'm just picking on Detroit's goalies because they, uh, they were, they were something I was looking at down there, but you grabbed someone who, also has hurt your team. Um, so I love Hellebuck. I really think that he has just been so steady in a position where there is zero steadiness. Um, so thank you, Hellebuck, for uh, for doing that. You are my MVP through the first half. I think you've really, really propelled teams ahead of uh, ahead of other teams because you are the one goalie who actually are giving that goaltender one status. So, Dude, uh, his numbers are, are so bonkers. Um, since the middle of November, like this is such a long sample. 14, 2 and 2. He's given up more than three, uh, two goals one time in that span. 18 games, he's given up more than two goals once, and it was three goals. It's not like he gave up four. Uh, a 167 goals against average and a 942 save percentage over that span. Unbelievable. Yeah, something Unbelievable. too about him just being a true workhorse. We're seeing the true workhorses struggle this year, and he's the true workhorse who's literally dominating every single night that's so much value um we know he's gonna lead the league and or be top five in the league in games started if he stays healthy and if he's doing that while being top five in all other categories Woo-hoo! mvp connor hellbook for beeps yeah he's starting 75 percent of the jets games right now so definitely uh a workhorse like he has been for many years uh prior all right our best fantasy value draft pick this season d and i are once again aligned with Philip Forsberg, and he also led the fan vote at 50%. Uh, some other names that got some love here, uh, Sam Reinhart was the second biggest uh, vote-getter for fantasy value pick, which makes me feel good because he was my right-wing sleeper during our right-wing positional preview episode. So it's been really, really nice for uh, Sam Reinhart. But Philip Forsberg has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, you said I was a Connor Hellebuck stand. Beebs and I was a Phil Forsberg fan for a very long time, and this was the type of production that I was waiting for for basically Can't ever. Confirm. And he's over a point per game at the moment 21 goals, 24 assists, 45 points in 41 games. But what makes him such a tremendous draft day value is he his ADP was 144.1. I mean, how deep this man was going the 12th round and he is currently ranked as the number eight overall player in Yahoo standard formats. I mean, you can't ask for much more. He was this close to making being my fantasy MVP because like 
what more could you ask for out of a 12th round pick? No one has ascended himself quite as high as Philip Forsberg from Yahoo or uh, ADP to current ranking. The only other guy that comes remotely close uh, two other guys, Sam Reinhardt, who we said he was, was very close in the vote. He was a 97 ADP, currently the 12th ranked player overall. And then Biebs, your draft day steal, 148th overall. Valerie Nachushkin comes in at 17th currently. So those three are, are miles ahead of the rest of the field here. Just been absolutely outstanding. I suppose Brock Besser could be involved in that conversation as well. ADP of 155 currently ranked 23rd overall. So those four have just been absolutely splendid. But D, uh, I went on long enough. You also picked Philip Forsberg, and I am certainly kicking myself. Uh, it is a uh, dynasty format, but you did offer me Forsberg for Keller. Um, I was close to accepting it, but because it was dynasty, I felt a little bit better about Keller moving forward. But for this season alone, Philip Forsberg has been significantly better. So I'm sure you're happy. Uh, we've talked about this before. But I'm sure you're happy that I did not accept that one. Yeah, we could revisit it if you want to go Keller Plus. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean... It was great to see. Uh, Forsberg is one of the you know really reliable pieces, or what I was hoping would be a reliable piece coming into the season I had on that dynasty team. Um, but yeah, he's been fantastic. I don't think we need to touch on him too much more than that. He's also upped his shot production to almost four a game, um, really just kind of blasting by his previous career high in that regard, and really just uh, gives you a lot of confidence in him being able to sustain this moving forward. Talked about the impact Andrew Burnett has had on that team and that offense, and in particular that first line. Uh, so you feel really good about him um, keeping this level up for the rest of the season. Certainly a lot better than I did, you know, two or three weeks into the season when I sent you that trade. Uh, but I do think one name we haven't mentioned yet that deserves a little love here in the forward value uh, section. I think we forgot to mention that this was specifically for forwards. But Travis Konechny, uh went just a couple of rounds ahead of Philip Forsberg. Um, and he hasn't been far off. He's got 21 goals, 15 assists, and 30 or 36 points in 40 games. Uh, so connecting has been an absolute stud and has really been a bright spot on that Flyers team. And, uh, you know, one of the main reasons that they've been as competitive as they have been this season. Uh, I, it's funny. I'm in a league that is uh, a keeper league. I, I just entered this year, so I forget exactly how many. It's five keepers. Five keepers. Uh, keepers are assigned to the round that you get them in. Uh, it's my cousin's league. I just joined it this year. Got to take over the owner who had McDavid. So thanks for that. But uh, my cousin who runs it uh, gets very aggressive almost every single season and trades as basically all of his draft picks every single year to load up for that current year. So he entered this year's draft without any picks in the first, I think it was 10 or 11 rounds. And the first two draft picks he made were Travis Konechny and Philip Forsberg. So uh, he should be dealing with an absolute dumpster uh, fire of a team. And instead he's uh, comfortably in the top half of the league because of those two picks. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who not just in dynasty keeper leagues, but in redrafts as well. Maybe even if they made a mistake or two early on, uh, a guy like Travis Konechny or Philip Forsberg, and the way they produce this season will go a long way to correct that. So uh, two guys that I, I think are in a great spot to just continue to be, um, uh, you know, tremendous fantasy talents and, and provide a lot of value for the rest of the season too. Yeah. And that, that's what I was just going to get into. I think the one thing that's most impressive about Philip Forsberg is there's really no red flags in his numbers. Like you said, the shot volume has skyrocketed and uh, so his shooting percentage is, is pretty normal compared to, you know, the amount of goals that he's scored thus far as on ice shooting percentage doesn't suggest that there's any real regression coming forward. And we've talked about how comfortable Nashville one looks together and, and, and how that power play has been better. And it's helped him as well there. Uh, but D or sorry, Biebs, your, value pick was Valerie Nachushkin and 
Me personally, I drafted Nachushkin in every single one of the leagues that I play in. In my perfect drafts uh, that I was writing in the preseason, Nachushkin came up frequently. He was somebody that I absolutely loved at his draft day value, and he is absolutely smashed at that spot. So as our resident Avs fan, I'm sure you're loving what you're getting out of Nachushkin. Once again, ADP was 148.2, just outside of the 12th round, 13th round, currently ranked 17th overall in Yahoo standard formats. Yeah, um, feeling a little bit like the middle child of the family here, Brock. Uh, keep forgetting my name, but that's okay. Um, one day, one day you'll get it right. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I, I'm honored to be called D every, uh, every segment we go into. But uh, no, Val Nishushkin, This one was very obvious. Uh, as much as it is Homer for me, it was one that I could make a pretty easy case for. As you mentioned, 148.2 ADP going in. That means that in a lot of leagues, people were not drafting Val Nishushkin. And let me just hit you guys with this 40 points right now in 39 games. He's over a point per game. Officially that puts him 29th in the NHL in points. Again, not drafted uh, in most 10 team leagues and then 123 shots on goal at the moment. That's good for 31st in the league. He's got 20 goals off those 123 shots on goal. That's good for 15th in the whole NHL. And then even better, even juicier and something that we love to see for the future. Val is mucking minutes, boys, 21, 48, Time on ice average fourth among all forwards. I bet you could probably drop that fact on someone at the water cooler. Say, uh, you know, who's a top five forward um, in time on ice. And they could probably name four, but they cannot name Val Nishushkin as number five, I bet. And that's why he is an absolutely sneaky pick. A lot of people, a lot of people draft this guy as more a filler. If he didn't work in the first couple of weeks, then it wasn't going to happen. They drop him, And, and that was uh last week or the week before when we were talking about biggest regrets, he was probably the name that came up the most with people dropping him. I think his draft value was hurt obviously by last year's postseason. Some things happened. We weren't too sure what was going into this year. Even me as an avalanche fan, I was a little nervous because there, there was question marks about, you know, is he going to return? Is he, can he stay healthy? He's never really stayed healthy um, across his career. And if he can do it throughout the full 82 and put up a point per game, people are just going to be laughing with that. And uh, he's a guy, a lot of times I'd, I'd say maybe sell high at this point, but with this time on ice, with these shots on goal, a lot of things are going right. I don't see much regression coming. Arturi Lekkinen's rejoining the lineup. That top six just becomes even stronger. Um, and uh, and he'll be he'll be playing alongside Nishushkin. It looks like, as Brock mentioned last week, bumped to Brock um, for that guess on the lines. Um, but yeah, it, Colorado came out today and it looks like it'll be Lekkinen uh, and Nishushkin, which only helps him even more and means his, his ice time is not going to take a bump. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm super big, obviously, here on Nishushkin, but he has been performing and he will continue as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, I, I do think there is some sell-high value here, right? I mean, averaged uh, 10% shooter throughout his career, shooting 16%. The on-ice shooting percentage a little high at 14%. That is pretty sustainable when you're playing with McKinnon and Rantanen. Um, but I, I think more than anything, like I don't know exactly how long this Jonathan Drew anything is going to last, but if it if it remains, I do think that it should be ever probably doesn't have as much value playing on that second line as he does obviously skating with McKinnon and Ranton. So if you can get a nice haul from Nachushkin, I don't think it's the worst time to sell high. But that being said, I, I told you I have him in every single one of my leagues and I haven't sold high on him yet. But I think that window is, is, is kind of opening here with Jouet kind of solidifying himself on that top line. The other thing, the abs are apparently the kings of reclamation projects, right? Like Nachushkin looked like a huge bust, goes to Colorado, they figure it out. Jouet's career looked basically over. He looks really solid there. Maybe they need to trade for Ilya Samsonov and they'll return to a 920 goaltender. Who knows? They're the kings of reclamation. 
I was just Next. about to say, can they send a, a shitty goalie over and we can figure it out? Because yeah, we need better than an eight ninety four out in Colorado um, from our top tender. But let's uh, let's stop being positive here. Let's uh, yeah. I was just gonna say, let's focus on some negatives here. Some of the biggest yeah. forward busts of the season so far. Um, okay, so the fans were quite torn. The listeners had four guys all tied at twenty percent of the vote: Tage Thompson, Alex Ovechkin, Timo Meyer, and Andre Kuzmenko. Dylan and Biebs, you guys both went with Andre Kuzmenko. So I'll get to you guys second because I went with Timo Meyer, And this is obviously a tough one to swallow as a podcast. We all love Timo Meyer. That being said, D, you specifically were a little bit nervous about Timo Meyer entering this season and that draft day uh, value. But I don't think any of us really could have seen it going as poorly as it has. Uh, his current ranking has him ranked as a 24th round pick, which obviously leagues don't typically go that far. And he was drafted as a fourth round pick. So playing 20 rounds worse than where he was selected, obviously less than ideal. Just 15 points in 28 games this season, 78 shots in those 28 games. Very reminiscent of what we saw from him a season ago after he was traded to New Jersey, which to your credit, D, was a lot of the reason that you were nervous. Uh, The ice time's actually taken a hit. And... It's just been ugly all around. He's basically, you know, unrosterable at this point, especially at the moment while unhealthy. But, um, like, if if he can't crack that top six consistently and and play up up the lineup and play more than seventeen minutes a night, it's it's a tough own here. And as a fourth round pick, I don't know if there is a bigger bust in fantasy this season. Uh, than Timo Meyer, but you guys seem to think it's Andre Kuzmenko. So, D, give me a reason why. Uh, I was going back and forth between these two. Uh, I felt like I harped on Timo pretty hard a few weeks ago. But uh, yeah, to your point, I mean, even Dawson Mercer is making more of a case to get some more minutes and and carve a role in that top six, uh, much more so than Timo Meyer has to this point. Uh, But I do think there's, you know, Meyer's season is still a bit salvageable and there's obviously still some upside here if he can carve a role. I have my doubts. We talked about uh, how, you know, we think it's okay to drop him at this point. Uh, depending on your situation. But uh, I mean, Kuzmenko just seems to be absolutely buried in the doghouse. And uh, I mean, first and foremost, you have to wonder if he's even going to be in the lineup on any given night. And if he is, he's more likely not going to be on the fourth line these days. Um, And it's just not great for a guy that's just not a volume shooter to begin with 52 shots in 35 games. Um, It's really fallen off a cliff. Talked about how, you know, he was one of the biggest red flags coming into the season. It was very obvious shooting 27% last year. Uh, but there was hope him just playing 60 minutes that he could carve a larger role, maybe build on that shot volume and offset some of the aggression that was going to come to a shooting percentage. Obviously, it's gone completely the other way. Um, it was still someone we were staying away from on draft day. Uh, but I think this is a guy who absolutely should be dropped in all formats. Uh, and he really seems to need a trade out of Vancouver to really uh, reignite his value because, you know, um, odds of him getting anywhere. Um, back to where he was at last season in terms of his role seems slim, let alone building on that to a point where a shot volume is going to grow to somewhere where he could uh, produce at a rate he did last year without relying on some ungodly conversion rates. So um, yeah, I I just not a guy that I have any interest in rostering at this point. So that's why I lean Kuzmenko's way. I I think there's, you can convince yourself into hanging on to Timo Meyer if you have room on your roster still, and and maybe uh, it's easier to dream up a, a path for him. Um, to kind of get back into fantasy relevance, whereas Kizmenko to me just seems so hard. He's already playing on one of the best teams in hockey, what's been one of the most uh, productive teams in hockey from an offensive and and fantasy standpoint. Uh, And he's already, like I said, uh, 
fallen off the radar. So Kuzmenko for me, the fact that he just shouldn't even be rostered at this point was enough to give him that slight edge over Timo, but I could certainly see, and then you could certainly make the case that Timo uh, selecting him on draft day is more damaging to your fantasy team than what uh, a swing and a miss on Kuzmenko did to you. Yeah. Kuzmenko too is just killing teams because he's been healthy four times in those games when he's healthy. It's not like he's hurt where you can bury him on your IR. He's just healthy. He can, he, he's not providing anything to rosters. If you did hang on to him at that point, and for someone that you drafted at that point, that that could really, really hurt you. And I think where he also has hurt teams is with him being so good last year, they are holding on to him so much longer than they should. Um, and, and that in the long run hurts you. But I just wanted to give a quick shout out. Kind of funny to be doing shout outs on bus, but uh, Jonathan Huberto snuck out of this one pretty easy. Uh, 125 draft pick. That's still drafted in most leagues. And uh, we know how bad it's been for Jonathan Huberto. He almost went a whole month without a goal. Did he go a whole month without a goal? Either way, um, you know, that. And then uh, out, out in New Jersey, I also, uh, Nico Heischer, he was a, around 60th ADP. He's someone who's kind of really let teams down this year and someone we expected to take a step forward, I think, us, us collectively as a podcast as well. And uh, Timu Meyer obviously isn't helping that either. So um, while, uh, while, while we're going at one, I felt we should go at another. But those are my two other uh, quick shout outs that kind of had a little pop out to me. Um, and, you know, if we're talking about bus, you got to mention Hubert O. So, uh, here we are. Yeah, he uh, he he's just been terrible. It, yeah, I have a uh, like a deep dynasty league where you keep your whole team basically heading in from one year to the next. And uh, I had Huberto and Kuzmenko on the same roster. And a couple weeks ago, I was like, bye bye, bye bye. I didn't even have anybody in mind to pick up. I was like, I've had enough of both of you. Good night, Jim Kite. Um, I'd rather have the- a rolling slot where you can just spot start someone every Monday, Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. The one thing about Kuzmenko too is the Canucks have really seemed to find something here with Pedersen, Besser, and JT Miller all together. They've been absolutely rolling the last three games. They rolled through the Islanders, the Devils, (laughs) and the Rangers. What'd you say, D? Shocker. Shocker. I mean, you play your three best players together and they produce. It's it's insane. Crazy concept. Yeah, you don't put PDG on there and it works. Who would have thought? I do do think it, I don't know how sustainable it is long-term, because they don't seem that deep, like their second line of P- Pia Suter and Ilya Mikhaev and um, and Kuzmenko doesn't seem super great. But uh, I mean, they rolled through the Islanders, Devils, and Rangers without any issues really at all. And uh, yeah, those three together have been don- dynamite. And if you know you you can't expect Kuzmenko to play on that top line with Pedersen, what can you really expect out of him moving forward? Uh, okay, their emergence of their bottom six has really helped them out there too. Dakota Joshua, sorry, I just wanted to show that. Yeah, no, Joshua Bluger and Connor monster. Garland have been awesome, absolutely awesome. They're basically their second line. Uh, okay, yeah. biggest value defenseman pick of the season. Now this one feels great because he was my breakout pick at defenseman during our defenseman episode in the preseason, and it is a clean sweep for Noah Dobson. I have him. D has him, Beebs has him, and he also collected 60% of the fan vote as well. So a clean sweep for Noah Dobson. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out here. Kale McCarr got some votes, which um, is interesting because he wasn't necessarily a huge value. He was the first defenseman off the board. Uh, found but my other, burner account. The other yeah. ones would be Kale McCarr, or sorry, Quinn Hughes and uh, Evan Bouchard as well. So, uh, but Noah Dobson, clean sweep across the board for all four picks here. 38 points in 40 games, 
he has nearly got to last year's season total of 49 points in 78 games. But yeah, six goals, 32 assists. He's been absolutely dynamite. His time on ice has risen over five minutes compared to last year. The Islanders, uh, while not being particularly great defensively, have been a bit of an offensive force this year, which is the one thing I said during the defenseman episode that I was a little nervous about with Dobson was that he's great and he has all the tools to break out. It's just whether or not the Islanders can score enough to for him to break out. And they've been really good. Bo Horvat, Matt Barzelt on the top line have been awesome together. Uh, Brock Nelson and, and Kyle Palmieri and Pierre Engvall on the second line have been really good together. And it's worked. They've scored a lot of goals. They're not very good defensively. It's uh, Elias Rokin has suffered as a result. But it's led to unbelievable fantasy production for Noah Dobson. And uh, his ADP coming into the season was just egregiously low. He is currently ranked 59th overall, which is the one, two, fifth best sixth best defenseman, but his ADP was 112th overall. So just an absolutely massive draft day steal. Uh, Morgan Riley's probably the other shout out there. We weren't exactly sure how things were going to shake out in Toronto coming into the season. It looked like John Klingberg was going to be the top power play quarterback. That did not work out at all. Now Morgan Riley's found himself in a very familiar role doing all similar Morgan Riley things, operating as a number one fantasy defenseman. And, uh, and he went 128th overall. Uh, D Beebs, either one of you guys have anything to add quickly on Noah Dobson? Just who would have thought that you could, you know, do all this with being the second most played player in the league. He's currently second in the league in time on ice. Barack, you mentioned that they're just giving him time 25, 51 and night. He's playing almost half a game. Great for second half production real quick. Sixth amongst defensemen in, or in points. He's got 38 um, in 40 games played currently fourth in assists among defensemen, 11th in shots and goals seventh in power play points and seventh in plus minus. Those are all categories that contribute across every league. There's a reason this guy swept the category. Good for Noah. Good for Brock for telling people to get him as their sleeper. It's kind of cool. And uh, I'll, I'll yeah, do you one better. He's actually fifth in points too. So, yep. yep sorry. He must've, uh, yeah, that, that's my uh, sh- shitty eyes, but yeah, no, fifth. In I just points, want to so. give him the, the credit he deserves. You're he deserves right. all of it. He's Absolutely. Not. That's what I was thinking. I was like 38 is too much to be sixth, but yeah. yeah only Bouchard headman. I Bouchard might break out by the way, Brock, if we're patting ourselves in the back here, uh, headman Makar, and obviously Quinn Hughes. I, I think there's a good <laughs> case to be made for Quinn Hughes too, being a, a fourth or fifth round pick like he was, but yeah, Dobson 21st defenseman off the board. And, and to Beavs's point, to your point, easily been a top five defenseman. Uh, to this point i think even um you would admit brock that you weren't expecting it to be to go quite as well uh, as it has to this point so he's uh he's continued to be a steal and i think vince dunn probably deserves some love too because he just continues to produce um vince despite, being vince. yeah despite the rest of that team just falling off a cliff offensively so yeah, the, the one thing I guess with Noah Dobson that's probably helped too is the fact that they have been extremely banged up on that blue line uh, throughout the season, right? Adam Pellick, Scott Mayfield have missed time. Uh, they had to go trade for Robert Bertuzzo. I don't know if Noah Dobson continues to play 25 minutes into the second half of the season when, when everybody's healthy. Uh, Pellick, he returned, Pellick returned the other night and he played 24 and a half minutes. Blue so. still hurt as well. Yeah, exactly. So there, there, yeah. there is still injuries to deal with. But uh, yeah, you know, Evan Bouchard, Definitely somebody we need to mention as well. We were extremely high on him as a podcast. D, he was your breakout pick. So our breakout picks have absolutely uh, hammered. I I was going through our defenseman picks, like our sleepers, our breakouts, and bust. I think it was like a clean nine for nine sweep. Like all of our busts were great. We talked about them a couple weeks ago. All of our sleepers and breakouts were great. So 
hopefully all of our listeners at least have great defensemen, <laughs> if nothing else. Um, speaking of great defensemen, there are some that have struggled a little bit and become fantasy hockey busts. Uh, one of which, D, he is your bust of the uh, first half of the show, and he was also your bust on the preseason episode. So that's got to feel good. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. That's Tyson Berry. And uh, I don't know if, if you want to add anything on Tyson Berry. Like, do you want to shit on him just a little bit more? I don't want to victory lap too much here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say that he was going drafted uh, a spot above Noah Dobson in ADP. And that was a very obvious decision to us and hopefully anyone who listens to this podcast. Uh, and just as crazy to think how much that could have make, made or break your uh, season. Someone going in almost the 10th or 9th or 10th round there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was hesitant to, to even bring Barry up as a bust before the season because of where he was getting drafted. But I, I still felt, you know, for a mid-round pick, a guy that, uh, I thought correctly, again, don't want to victory lap too much, but correctly predicted that he wouldn't even be on rosters come the midway point of the season. And, and here we are. He came and cracked his own roster, his own lineup on a nightly basis. And uh, I mean, just having watched him play for the half season or so that it was in Toronto, it was just very obvious that everything he had to offer um, to his team was in the offensive zone. Uh, and when you're not getting that number one power play time and when, you know, there's just not a whole lot of reason to keep you out there when you have as deep of a blue line as the Predators do. So I can understand why they are healthy in him. It, it sucks to see because he could probably uh, bring some offensive production to another team that that needs um, that kind of role. Maybe a team like the Wild or some of these other teams that have gone through injuries or, or trades at this point and, and have some potential openings on the top power play unit. But uh, yeah, if he if he's not filling that role for you, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, to have him out there. So uh, that was the reason for, you know, avoiding him and swerving him in the draft completely. And, and obviously, uh, it, it was worth, uh, heating because, uh, yeah, he's, he's literally not worth owning right now and, and barring a trade, which, you know, they're not doing a whole lot for his trade value when they scratch him every night. Uh, it's hard to imagine him getting anywhere back to fantasy relevance anytime soon. Yeah. Since Christmas, uh, we've all had the same health as Tyson Berry and we have all played the same amount of NHL games. Um, he has been hurt. He has been hurt. He has been hurt. He yeah, was getting scratched, yeah. but then he was hurt. Um, uh, in fairness, scratched tonight. So, um, he's still it, hurt. He's still hurt. <laughs> it's, a, but it's, he's, a, it's an iffy situation, but it's no, probably he's just, it's probably just the, like you said, D, they're trying to protect any trade value that mm-hmm. he might have. And they're just saying, He's day to day. It's actually just like he's not playing. Um, Okay. Uh, Quickly, my draft bus is Adam Fox. A little bit to do with injury here, or mostly due with injury to why he's been as bad as he's been. Um, He does just have four points in his last 10 games since returning. He's been back for like 15 games. But in his last 10, only four points in his last uh, 10. He just hasn't been, you know, Adam Fox-like. And to our credit, we were uh, much lower on him than ADP in the preseason. His ADP was the number two defenseman off the board. We had him at five. And he's still operating close to a point per game. Uh, so I, I think that he can have a solid second half of the season. That's a, it's a pretty good Rangers team with a really good uh, power play as well. But, you know, when you're drafting a guy here in the early third round as your number one defenseman, and he's he just hasn't been there for you. Um, and when he's in the lineup, he's nowhere close to what you kind of expected. It's tough. It's it's kind of tough to overcome, especially when we've seen a lot of these other defensemen that we've mentioned taking massive step forward. If you waited around two, three, four rounds later, get a Quinn Hughes, uh, who we had ranked one spot behind Adam Fox, then you're looking a lot better off. And I think that was a lot of the problem that we had with Adam Fox coming into the season was that you can basically 
prior to this season, line Adam Fox and Quinn Hughes up side by side, and they're nearly identical. And you had Adam Fox going 28th overall and, and Quinn Hughes going 55th overall. And it just didn't make a, a lot of sense to us preseason. And obviously the injuries helped make us look correct there. And then Quinn Hughes being ridiculous has made us look even better. But yeah, it, it, it's tough when you take a guy as early as you took Adam Fox and you just haven't really had the returns, especially when a lot of the other Rangers that you may have drafted have been performing extremely well. Uh, we we were all completely different here on our defenseman bust. For you, Beebs, the listener's top defenseman bust was Eric Carlson. Uh, he collected 30% of the vote. He was the number three defenseman off the board. His ADP was 38.7. He's currently ranked 131st. So he's definitely been a bit disappointing from a fantasy perspective. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Penguins' power play has just not been as good as advertised. With as much as many weapons as they have, they just have not been great. They have been getting better as of late, and I do think that there's still a buy-low window here for Eric Carlson, uh, just 28 points in 39 games. And if that power play continues to improve, I think Eric Carlson's production will continue to improve because um, it just can't get any worse than it has been in the first half. But D, or Beeps, oh my God, I did it again. You guys need to like change your name so they're not so so similar um it also is difficult because you also went with a carlson yeah um you can now call me i don't know dbeeps uh, yeah let's just go with Depends. michael again because that's not awkward for everyone we'll go by my my my, my regular name oh god i hate it um, michael it is no i went uh yeah no we're back to beebs i x nay on the michael nay uh there but uh no we uh i chose john carlson someone who personally has burned me this season and he was the 13th defenseman off the board uh being taken at 88.7 adp in yahoo leagues john carlson currently only has 23 points this year which is not that bad but where he's really hurting is he only has three goals in those 23 points he's on pace for a whopping seven genos this year um for those of you counting at home, our boy Thomas Harley has smashed that amount last week. So seven Genos, really not what you want from what some teams took off as their number one D-man. D we expected a bounce back this year after a little bit of injuries last year. Um, unfortunately, we're just seeing age happen in Washington. We, we, we've, we've seen the OV story. And when it, it's a team where everything flows through Ovechkin and Carlson, um, when they're both struggling, they're going to struggle together. He is uh, on pace for less than 50 points this year. And we've talked about it. There's a lot of teams where you can afford, like I, I personally wouldn't be dropping John Carlson, but if you're in a really small league, John Carlson could definitely be considered droppable at this point. Um, it's getting a little scary for me personally. I think he's a great reclamation project for the second half. I think he's a good buy low. If you're in a 12 team league, um, that team's kind of like Pittsburgh. It's going to get better. Um, we, we talked about it episodes ago, you know, Ovi's going to, Ovi's going to Ovi. And when Ovi Ovi's Carlson's going to be there helping Ovi Ovi. Um, and uh, wow, that, uh, that made me want to want a beer, but, um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, the John, John Carlson, I'm sorry, bud, you crushed me in the first half and being my first defenseman off the board on my one team, it's been really hard to pick up because there just hasn't been other D men who have really been able to fill your slack in. So I had to, uh, had to had to get mad at John Carlson there. I expected some goals from a guy who could have given us 20 almost three years ago. So, yeah, I, I, you know, we've been victory lapping quite a bit here because we've got quite a few things, right? I think one thing we've been a little bit wrong about here is John Carlson. We were much higher than ADP on Carlson. He was inside our top 10 defenseman. Uh, his ADP was 17th and he has not operated 
uh, anywhere close to what we were expecting. That being said, I do agree. I think that there is a buy low window here for John Carlson. Uh, he is a career 6% shooter. He's shooting just 3.6%. His on-ice shooting percentage is an dismal 8.8%. Things are going to get better. They already kind of started, have already started to. He's got eight points in his last 10 games. Things are starting to turn for him a little bit already. I think that power play is going to improve here in the second half, adding Max Pacioretty. Uh, probably going to help a little bit as well. I do think that the Capitals aren't a team that are going to score a ton of goals, but you can get Carlson for probably pretty cheap at the moment. And uh, I think it could be somebody that could help your blue line in the second half of the season. Okay. A couple of goalies to talk about now. The best value goalie pick. Again, more uh, celebrating for me. My draft day goalie sleeper was Cam Talbot. He makes the list for myself and for Biebs as our top value pick. And then the listeners, 60% of listeners picked Thatcher Demko, who was Dylan's pick for value uh, goalie of the draft. And yeah, it's been great. Demko has been absolutely uh, lights out. To our credit, we were higher than ADP on Demko in the preseason as well. He came in still uh, 14th. ADP was 18th, and he's surpassed that mark. Uh, with flying colors but for me cam talbot was the guy that i really liked i thought the kings were going to be a very good defensive club which has proven itself and then some they've been absolutely terrific you know stumbling a little bit as of late but their defensive uh quality was really something that i liked and, and and had me very interested in cam talbot as a super late round pick he was a guy that i was targeting in the last round or last two rounds of every single draft in the preseason his adp was 168th which is the 14th round he's currently the number five ranked fantasy goalie 57th overall he's been absolutely splendid he has you know rarely had a, a tough night even when he's lost games he's rarely been lit up this is just such a good defensive club i do not think that he's going to have uh too many more poor performances he's only given up four goals on five occasions and one of them was our two of them came really early in the season before this team really figured things out so uh since then since December 27th, going back, if you take out his first four starts of the season, he's 12-7-4 with a 9-26 save percentage, a guy that you got in the 14th round. Uh, Biebs, anything, or Michael, anything to add on Cam Talbot? Um, I just got to do my classic hammer the stats on this guy just because he was, I, I believe, according to what I'm, I'm looking at here, the 39th goalie off the board in Yahoo!, but he's currently sixth in the league in save percentage, eighth in wins, third in goals against average, has two shutouts. That's insane. Yeah, that value is like, you just went into, that's like the value village. You go in, you find that piece of art. It's like 50 cents. You bring it home, you value it out. And it's like million dollars. You got yourself a, uh, a Jackson Pollock. That is exactly what Cam Tabot has given people this year. It's just been insane. And, and when we're talking about all these you know, surefire goalies, not giving you anything to get this out of Cam Talbot. This has probably really helped a lot of teams. So I uh, I couldn't stay away from, but I, I definitely felt these goalie needed a shout out as well. So D, I'll let you pop off about, uh, about the Thatch man out in Vancouver. Absolutely splendid comparison there. The not Jackson bad, eh? Pollock coming home from the, uh, just a just a masterpiece there. But uh, yeah, Thatcher Demko D. Uh, yeah, I, I think the only reason I went with Demko above Talbot, you know, you can make an argue that maybe Talbot's provide a better value, but if you look at the wins, right, I mean, Talbot's produced a near identical stat line um, to Connor Hellebuck, to who we were waxing lyrically about earlier in the show. 
uh, and a guy that you could get, you know, 12 rounds later. So uh, Demko is a, a guy that if you held off and went for kind of a zero goalie strat, right. And, and just uh, really held off and, and tried to hit on a couple late ones. Obviously Talbot is right in that camp as well. Uh, but Demko has been as good as anyone else in the league this season. And obviously a big part of that is the goal production, the Canucks, leading the NHL in goals at the halfway point with 160. They're 10 clear of anybody else, which is just insane. Uh, and a large part and thanks to Demko and that improved blue line. They're also top five in goals against the Kings leading the way in goals against. But, um, you know, I also just like Demko more the rest of the season. He just seems to be that a little bit more of a workhorse than Talbot. I think I feel better even with him coming off the injury uh, about his ability to stay healthy than a 35 year old or whatever he is, mid thirties, um, Cam Talbot. And obviously the goal support, uh, pretty substantial. Like I said, the Canucks leading the way with 160, the Kings uh, all the way down to 18th with 123. And I'm not sure that that really improves uh, much more uh, throughout the course of the season. So I do think Talbot's is going to continue to rack up the W's for you uh, and continue to start a hell of a lot of games. And, uh, you know, it, it really the only reason that he isn't quite at that 75% threshold that Hellebuck is, is probably a credit to Casey to Smith and how well he's played when he's gotten the opportunity to get in there uh, and, you know, deliver them some formidable performances whenever they want to give Demko uh, the night off. But Demko at 71% of the game started right now for the Canucks. Don't expect that to change anytime soon. Don't expect them to stop putting goals into the net uh, anytime soon as well. So I think Demko uh, just deserved the shout out to your point. I mean, obviously the fans agreed with me, but obviously uh, to your guys' point as well, uh, you can't go wrong with either of these two guys. And if you waited on goalies, hopefully these are the two that you opted to go to because they have just been cleaning up and are currently ranked, I think, both within the top three and pretty much across all formats in Yahoo leagues right now, uh, and for good reason. Yeah, the only concern for Demko for me has been just lately been a little bit more leaky than in uh, in previous you know couple months of the season. Eight ninety eight save percentage in his last seven. He's only allowed less than three goals once over his last seven starts. Uh, but still, to your credit, D or to your point. Five wins in those seven games because the Canucks are still going to outscore teams on a nightly basis. Uh, D, in our one league, uh, you were drafting right behind me, our big money league. And I was faced with the question of Thatcher Demko or Jacob Markstrom. And I was really, really stressed about it. I ended up going with Thatcher Demko, which proved to be a very smart decision. But I think that Jacob Markstrom uh, deserves a lot of a sh- uh, of credit and a shout out here as well. He's been quite solid as a 130th overall pick. He's been great. He was one of the guys I also liked in the preseason as uh, in my perfect drafts. I wrote about him a lot. If, if you were going to play that zero goalie strat and draft late, uh, 130th overall, get Markstrom. He's been quite solid in what's been kind of an up and down season for the Calgary Flames. All right. From good goalies to bad goalies, it doesn't get much worse than Ilya Samsonov. Uh, He was my draft bust for goalies. He was also D's, and he collected 50% of the fan foe. Um, I don't know if Michael accidentally put Sorokin uh, after Ilya and and mixed up his Ilya S's, but no. Uh, A couple Ilyas, if you drafted Ilyas this year, um, they have not been very good. But Samsonov specifically, obviously an absolute disaster, an unmitigated disaster. He had a 394 save percentage and 862, uh, sorry, 394 goals against average, 892 save percentage in 50 like games for the Toronto. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, ended up on waivers five, two, and six. Um, I can happily say I ended up with zero Ilya Samsonov on my team this year because I was such a big fan of the Joseph Wall pick late in in the draft, and had he not get hurt, uh, got hurt, then you Gone. know. 
Sorry, gotten hurt. Take he, two cracks at it. I figured we might as well just get might it. Might as well get it right. <laughs> Had he not gotten hurt, then uh, he would still be running away with this Maple Leafs job. But now he's coming back. He's going to have to fight with Martin Jones, who we'll get to later. Shockingly, uh, Martin Jones currently has the ninth best odds on Betway to win the Vesna Trophy, which is yeah. absolutely bonkers. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam Stonehouse has been an absolute nightmare, and there's just no coming back from it. I'm not sure he's going to get another NHL start this season unless something goes horribly, horribly wrong in Toronto. He might get one this week. They, I don't think so. I think I think they're just trying to get Hill to be a start on Friday, and then I bet you Hill to be comes up and starts Sunday versus the Red Wings. I don't think Sam Stonehouse back to start. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would have assumed Hill to be got the Sunday start, but they also just went Jones twice in the back to back last week. I would think that hopefully Sheldon Keefe would learn from uh, the issue with Wall and just leaning on a guy too heavily that hasn't really uh, taken that sort of role. And obviously Jones has in the past, but hasn't in recent years at all. At, at, at best, he's been a one B uh, for the Kraken last year. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I would have assumed it was going to be Hill to be as well. And, and, and maybe you're right in reading between the lines there, but I don't, Well, he hasn't started since December. He hasn't started a game since December 30th with yeah, the, eight, with the Marlies. Time, so yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. So it's part of me. Loki hopes that Jones gets shelled tomorrow. So that Samsonov can just come in in relief and he just stands on his head. I want, I want chaos in that net. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, Maybe you're right, Brock. I kind of hope you're right. I was hoping to just see a game of Hildeby and see what that six foot eight frame has to offer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I I, it, I think it's it's notable that they're recalling Samsonov because um, I mean he was doing them no harm sitting down there in AHL, kind of trying to work things out as they said, slash just burying his cap hit. So it, it seems odd to me that you would recall him even just on the off chance that, like Beeb said, he does have to get into a game because I think just relying on Jones, like I said, to stay healthy when he's been playing as much as he has maybe a little bit of a risky play as well so we'll see um i mean maybe they're just hoping if they send him back down through waivers somebody will think twice about claiming him this time uh but yeah i mean that that'll be probably one story to to follow but yeah i thought you know for a guy to be going in the in the top 10 or top 12 whatever he was uh and to not you know have any reason to be on a fantasy roster at this point he he was a very obvious pick for the fantasy bus at the position um, you said it. We're uh we're getting mad at Ilya's today in between the pipes. And uh I had to go at Sorokin. I Samsonov, obviously clear standout candidate. Um Sorokin, though, I think just really, really burned owners this year, coming 17th off the board in and Yahoo ADP. Sorry, 17.9. So we'll give him 18. 18th off the board. Regardless, that's where a lot of teams are getting hundred point superstars. Um you know, lock down players that really shape their team and drive their team. But meanwhile, you're getting Ilya Sorokin, who is an absolute anchor in your net. Currently has 12 wins. It's good for 13th in uh, 13th in the league. Not great. Not great. But that's probably where he's excelling the most. He has a 908 save percentage. Not too good. But where I'm really, really got to hate on Sorokin is his 3.20 goals against average. Fellas, one of the first goalies off the board, top two in most leagues, and he is 47th in the NHL in goals against average. That's ugly. That's, as I mentioned, not even an anchor. That's like, I don't even know what's beyond an anchor, but that is destroying your goals against average most weeks. And it's a guy who, with the draft value that everyone took him at, you are going to, they're always in your head going to start him at that point. Um, You're, if you ever have to make the choice, you're always like, well, I use my first draft pick on Sorokin. I just think he has really, really hurt teams beyond the point of some nets getting 
recovered. Um, unless you've picked up Jones, you know, you hit on uh, Joey Decord or someone like that. Once the year started, you might be screwed. Um, so Sorokin, I just, it, uh, it was kind of an obvious pick going in. None of us were too high on him. We mentioned that, you know, a lot goaltending is a lot about the team in front of you. And as much as dot, we mentioned Dobson's been excelling. You did mention in that same statement that they have been struggling defensively and losing guys like Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick will do that. Some of the better defenders in the league. Um, Sorokin makes a by low, I would say candidate right now but at the same time i uh i don't really want too much to do with him because i think that people are going to be asking a ton still for him um sorry to do it Sorokin, but you know what if you're gonna play with the big dogs and you're gonna get drafted with the big dogs then you're gonna get chewed out like the big dogs so uh Sorokin, you are my draft bust today sorry bud yeah obviously similar to the adam fox pick if you don't have um, if you go, if you're going that early, it, you, you can't let owners down as much as yeah. you have. Uh, it's been tough and it's been tough to be named Ilya. Um, I do believe I'm not a hundred percent clear on the waiver rule, but I'm pretty sure that Sam Sonoff has to at least play some games before he has to clear waivers again. Mm-hmm. So they can just send him back down, um, without having to worry too much, but that's besides the point. We do not need to spend any more time talking about Ilya Sam Sonoff. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Let's talk about some actual good goalies, some actual goal scorers, and figure out who we think the best bets are for the Vesna, the Hart, the Norris, and the Rocket. So this is your Betway bets of the day, your Betway bet corner. And we'll start with the Vesna, where Connor Hellebuck currently has the best odds at plus 200, followed by Thatcher Demko at plus 300. Um, again, we're going to be taking a look at the best value picks overall and who we think can steal um, one of these trophies at maybe lesser odds. I do think that Connor Hellebuck is my pick right now to win the Vesna. I don't think it's anywhere close. Uh, but if I was trying to find some value, I was I, w- I really wanted to pick Joey Decord because like he's been red hot. And if Seattle Insane. continues to play extremely well um, and he has a great second half of the season, I think there's an argument to be made. The craziest thing, can't find him on Betway. You can't find him on any sports book with any Vesna odds whatsoever. So you 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 can't bet on him. Uh, so he can't win, un- dude. It's just it, he's not on the odds books. He's unfortunately, you cannot. I think the one guy that stands out to me with long odds is Sergey Bobrovsky at plus two thousand. The Panthers are still just a very very good hockey club. They are a very um, 
good defensive team. Bobrovsky's been really good, had a bit of a sluggish start to the season, uh, but has been really good as of late. And if I think if you know anything were to happen to Hellebuck and his game started to fall off at all, and the same thing goes for Demko, we kind of already talked about it. Bobrovsky, I think, does have an outside chance. And at plus 2,000, I think there's something there. He's won six in a row with a 920 save percentage, which is obviously great. And since his uh, the end of November, his last 14 starts, he's 11-3 and three with a 918 save percentage. So nowhere near the numbers that Hellebuck's put up. But obviously, at plus 200, Hellebuck is the outright favorite right now. And if I was going to try to find some value, I would go Sergei Bobrovsky. What about you, Michael? Yeah, if I'm going value, actually, I'm going to change my name now. I'm now Ilya uh, Bondi, and we are going to rock with that. But um, as my first statement as Ilya, going to go pretty deep down the board, and I'm actually going at an injured goalie right now. It's Jake Ottinger. He's skating this week, uh, so he should be back relatively soon, we hope. But at plus 3,300, that's uh, that's insane odds for a guy who is in previous years been up there in Vesna voting. Ottinger has kind of really struggled out of the gate. He has a 901 save percentage through 21 starts. As mentioned, faced some injuries, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we just watched Scott Wedgwood take, I believe, seven straight games before Matt Murray stepped in and had that glorious shutout. It was beautiful. It was fun to watch. Um, but what that means is that if Ottinger can come back and he can prove that he is healthy, he should get a ton of starts down the stretch. Dallas needs these wins. Um, one thing that might hurt him is his health. Um, and that could cause him to get less starts, but Wedgwood really hasn't taken over, you know, hasn't deserved more time with his 894 save percentage during this injury, uh, period for Ottinger and for Ottinger. I just, I just, I coming into the year, he would have been, if someone said, you know, pick a guy off the top of your head, who you think a little bit sleepier, but who could win the Vezna? I would have picked him. I just think it's, uh, it obviously besides Hellebuck, it's such a crapshoot here with the guys in the middle. And if Ottinger puts together what we've seen him do in the playoffs or we've seen him do before across a 20 game span where he does a nine 30, we could see a save percentage to jump right back up to a uh, closer to a nine 20 here. And he could get himself back in that conversation with a couple with a big win stretch. Um, so yeah, so for me, it was just a couple of glaring things there. The team in front of him, amount of starts it's Jake Ottinger. He's 25. He's sick. D who's your, uh, who do you got taking this award? What's your, what's your juicy pick over there? Yeah, I, I, it's hard, honestly. I, I think you guys got two fair picks there in terms of long shots. It's hard to imagine anyone outside of the top three at this point or any dark horse really coming through. Uh, I do kind of like the odds that Connor Ingram is getting, although it's not too often that we see the Vesna go to a goalie that's outside of one of the teams, you know, top, or one of the league's top five or six teams. Uh, but I do think if Arizona can kind of pull it back together a little bit, get themselves back into the playoffs, uh, there's been plenty of narratives laid out already for Connor Ingram, which is a big part of this award. Uh, already leads the league with four shutouts. Uh, I think he's just going to continue to take more starts back. He's kind of went through a bit of a rough patch there. Obviously, he's been a little bit better of late. Uh, had a shutout against the Ducks the other night, or I guess it'd be a couple weeks ago now, but just three starts ago um, for Connor Ingram. So I, I think if I had to put one dark horse bet down on, on the Vesna, uh, I do like Connor Ingram at plus 2,500. I, like I said, I think the narrative's already been laid out for him, and if they can pull it together a little bit and he can continue to be anywhere near where he's been at this year with the 916, and then you're obviously betting on uh, any of those big three with Hellebuck, Demko, and, and Talbot falling off a little bit, um, then I think there's a, a reasonable uh, path that you can dream up there. But again, it's hard to imagine any of these dark horses doing enough in the second half and any of those top three guys falling, up and, uh, falling out enough uh, for there to be a huge shift. And I think the odds really show that already with Hellebuck being, I think, plus 200, like you said, Brock and Demko at plus 300 at this point. 
Yeah, moving on, we've got the Hart Trophy. My pick for a value bet here would be Artemi Panarin at plus 1,600. Uh, first of all, I just went to his hockey reference page, and in addition to his nickname of Breadman, Yeast Mode is also on there, which Ooh, is just outrageous. Uh, 57 points in 39 games. The Rangers have just been very good, right? They're fifth in the league right now, uh, 54 points in 39 games, less game play than the teams ahead of them and could realistically uh, be at the top of the table. If you sort by uh, points percentage, they are fourth, so a little bit better. But uh, this team is just really not that good at 5v5. The only line that they can rely on on a night-to-night basis at 5v5 is the Panarin line. They play, He plays more minutes than any other forward on that team. That line goes out there more often than anybody. They have ridiculously good 5v5 numbers. He's chipping in on the power play. I don't think the Rangers would be where they are without Artemi Panarin. And if we're giving a award for the player that's most valuable to his team, yes, Connor McDavid is valuable as all hell to the Oilers. And so is Nathan McKinnon to the Avalanche. But I do not think that the Rangers would be where they are without Artemi Panarin and at 16 uh, plus 1,600, I do think that there's some value there. Biebs, uh, who's your heart value bet? I just don't know. Like It was so hard for me to go away from McDavid. I don't know if we've ever seen him. I'm pretty sure going into the year in most on, on most betting platforms, McDavid was actually like a, a, a non-plus bet. So um, to see him at plus 250 here is just pretty interesting. But I got to go with my boy Nathan McKinnon just because – I'm a Colorado fan, and because I get to watch him do what he does every other night, he why I got him here. It's just he just seems to be in freak mode right now. McKinnon is probably like the ultimate competitor in life, it seems like, and I think that that's just going to push him to just go insane for this last second half. This is the one year where, let's be honest, he has a chance to actually win it. In the previous years, McDavid just would have been at 98 points at this point, and McKinnon sitting there at the 66, like uh, uh, oh crap. Um, so at this point, I think this is his one year. I think he's going to use it. If he can fully stay healthy for the full year, I expect it to happen. He is in the last calendar year. There's all these crazy, you know, Colorado people love to jump on, uh, I'll say specific stats to make people look better. And in the last calendar year, Nathan McKinnon does lead all skaters in points. So that's pretty impressive um and i think he keeps that going and he moves it right into an mvp so at plus 250 mckinnon is my go it's not fun it's nothing crazy but i had to you know shout out my boy do you shout out your boy uh i i do think matthews at 10 to 1 is is pretty yeah, uh, like that. enticing that's a nice one i mean he won the heart a couple of years ago simply because he scored so many uh so many goals and that seems to be the route he's taken again this year i think if he gets anywhere near or above 65 goals. I think he's on pace for just under 70 right now that uh, he probably does have a, a pretty good shot of winning it and probably better than those odds outlined for him. And then I, I would like to shout out Elias Pettersson as well. I think if that line stays together, I think his production could continue to skyrocket right now. Like Quinn Hughes has better odds than him. And to Brock's point um, it's, you know, you got to be the most valuable player on your team to start with. Uh you know, a defenseman hasn't won the heart since the 99, 2000 season when Chris Pronger won it. So I, I can't imagine Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr for that season being much of a threat. So I would expect Pedersen before too long to leapfrog his teammate. And uh, at the very least, I, I think he finishes uh, with much lower odds than he's looking at right now at plus 2,500. So if you're looking for a dark horse, I think Pedersen's fine. Uh, but I do think Matthews at 10 to one is, is pretty good money can, uh, considering how, how uh, easily he's putting the puck in the back of the net right now. Yeah, I have so many Matthews stock and fa- so many Matthews stocks in fantasy this year, and he just can't stop scoring. I love it every single night. Go check those, the the box scores, and oh, Matthews again, 
Uh, okay, the Norris Trophy. I, I want to go with Noah Dobson um, because how much we've talked glowingly about him. But I'm going to go with Evan Bouchard, third best odds right now at plus uh, 1,000. He's quietly got some of the best defensive numbers in the league. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he plays almost exclusively with Connor McDavid at 5v5, and that line always has the puck in the offensive zone. So it makes your defensive numbers look that much better. But the power play and, and offensive production is there as well. And if he can have a big second half, I think that he could get up there and flirt with the numbers that Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr have put up, and they have much, much lower odds than he does. So uh, if Bouchard gets on a bit of a heater here in the second half, he's currently over a point per game with 39 points in 37 games. The defensive metrics are pretty good. I'm not sure if the hockey writers will actually look at those or not, but uh, they'll probably just base it off of who has the most points, which is usually how it goes. But I do think Bouchard's got a chance there as well. So uh, yeah, I think it would be wild for us to have him as a sleeper and win the Norris would be absolutely uh, splendid. The fact that we have uh, Bouchard third, and Dobson fourth in Norris voting right now, or Norris odds right now is, is pretty impressive. So I will go with Evan Bouchard. Uh, D, Bouchard was your uh, sleeper pick in the preseason. Is Are you going to piggyback here? I'll let you have him because I, I do think the narrative, or at least from Edmonton fans, they, they for some reason th- seem to think he's a liability in his own end. And I, I still see uh, stuff like that all over the timeline. So I'll, I'll let you have that one. Uh, I, I do wonder if the writers maybe go back against a little bit, uh, you know, just serving the most offensive defenseman after kind of the pushback that we saw from a large portion of them to Carlson's trophy last year, and then Carlson falling off this year. So if, if that happens, I do think that we could maybe be seeing the season of Josh Norrissey. Um, You know, the Jets are leading the NHL in points right now, and obviously that always has a pretty big say in these awards. Uh, Morrissey, one of the better two-way defensemen in the NHL. He's been producing at a very impressive clip this year and last season. Um, so it's not nothing totally out of the blue either. Uh, and he's got some pretty decent odds right now at, at plus 2,500, which makes him uh, tied for the fifth uh, lowest odds off the board too, just with how heavily it's skewed uh, in the favor of Hughes and McCarr. 2,500 is enough to get you into the top five. So I think if you're looking for a dark horse, again, uh, you know, the number one defenseman that's been uh, super productive, just shy of a point per game for the last two seasons on what is currently the number one team in hockey. uh, I I think that's a decent bet. Yeah, I wanted to jump on the McCarr one so bad, but that's not fun because I I, I went with McKinnon last time. But I do think that there is some value there. In, uh, in a guy who has played five less games than Quinn Hughes, but has three less points. But my biggest value, my biggest standout, and I'm going a little bit down the board here at plus 3,300 again, I have Rasmus Dahlin currently leading all defensemen in goals right now. And uh, I'm, I'm going to jump all over that because I want him to have a huge second half. And if he does, he could easily continue to lead defensemen in goals. I think that that could have a heavy push if we see the point totals start to come a little bit closer Quinn Hughes having a 20 point lead right now on uh, on Darlene is not great to see when you're voting on like you guys said a points award um, that tends to happen but uh, if Rasmus Darlene can really turn it on the second half with Buffalo I mean it's a huge 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 if um, but we talked about Tage Thompson last episode should have a better second half I expect Darlene to kind of be there for the ride and I expect a massive breakout this year. Not quite getting it, but I am loving his goal production. So, you know what, for the guy leading all D and goals to be basically outside the top 10 here, um, I think it's a nice little value bet um, for sure when we're looking at that. All right, moving on. The last one to talk about is the Rocket, which 
currently is being led heavily by Austin Matthews at minus 165. Second is David Pasternak at 450. Matthews currently leads the NHL with 31 goals, followed fairly closely by Sam Reinhardt, who can be found on this list at plus 800. Uh, but if you're going to try to find a dark horse, it's tough. I mean, I, I think Matthews probably wins this, like the way that he's been scoring. I, it's far, like I have a harder time finding somebody that's going to take over. Like, could Nathan McKinnon start to score more goals down the stretch and and be a value pick at plus four thousand? Sure, but he's already in a nine goal hole up against Austin Matthews. So I find Maybe it very, pasta. I find Maybe. it very difficult. Yeah, like Pasternak at plus four fifty, Kucherov plus six hundred. I think if I was gonna lay a bet here, it would be on. Nathan McKinnon, maybe Zach Hyman. I just don't see Zach Hyman winning the Rocket as great as he's been. But I think it would have to be on McKinnon to get on an unbelievable heater. Maybe Matthews run into a bit of a a, a nick or a knock. But I, I, if I'm placing bets, like I feel fairly confident about some of these value bets that we placed ha- actually having legitimate chances at winning. I feel less confident that Matthews is going to not win the the Rocket the way he's been going. But uh, D, what do you got? I will say, obviously, you know, Matthews, I wouldn't call him injury prone, but he does have a hard time playing, you know, close to a full 82 in a given season. And they've, you know, shown uh, a tendency in the past to be um, pretty cautious in their approach if he is kind of banged up and making sure that he's as healthy as possible for the postseason. So if that happens, I mean, Nikita Kutrov is shooting the puck like crazy right now. I think he's like at four and a half shots a game and he's only three goals behind Matthews. So, I mean, Matthews misses five to 10 games and Kucherov continues to shoot the puck as much as he has and shoots around his career shooting percentage of, you know, 15%. That could easily get him into the mid fifties, creeping up around 60 goals. Uh, Again, that's all dependent on him continuing to shoot at this absurd amount uh, of shot volume that he's provided so far. That's, you know, been out of character for him, but we're half the half or 41 games into the season now, halfway through exactly for Kucherov and the lightning. So I do think, you know, plus 600 for a guy that's only, um, three goals behind and is shooting more uh, per game than Matthews is at this point. I think that's some decent value there, but I, I'm with you. It's hard to uh, imagine, save for an injury, uh, anyone but Matthews taking this home at this point. Yeah, my like super far outside shot would be, and it's hilarious to say this, Connor McDavid. Um, 15 goals right now. He would need, he has, he's 16 down. Um, but I, as D mentioned, you know, say something happens to Matthews or something happens to one of these top guys. We've seen McDavid go on, you know, a, a 35 and 40 stretch, a 45 and 50 stretch. He can't, he is possible of doing that. Let's say he decides to go absolutely bonkers in the second half. Um, it's maybe the one time you could jump on it, but. Brock worded it perfectly. I'm kind of confident about the other bets. Not confident, but at least I'd be like, oh, hey, I'd throw my money off that. I don't think I would do that with this one. Um, I do think D nailed it, though. I think Cooch is the best one, not named Matthews on there, um, if you if you are really making a case for anyone. But also Matthews. But AM34 just seems to be, you know, just another year of AM34 getting that rocket. I'm cool with that. The only award we didn't really touch on is the Calder. I just, you know, we're not going to go through all the odds, but just briefly, do you guys think that Connor Bedard's injury out six to eight weeks takes him out of the running? Do you think it limits his opportunity? Do you think that he is still a lock to win it? To me, I, I bet Brock Faber as soon as he got hurt, like he's out there as a rookie playing 30 minutes a night. He also could end up putting up 40 points this season. And I looked at it today. If Bedard misses eight weeks, he's going to miss about 18 games. 
And with the amount of games remaining that he would play and the amount of points that he's put up so far, he'd finish the year with 50 points or 51 points, something like that. It's hard to envision that a 51-point season from Bedard would be more important or, or better than a 40-point season from Faber, who may play the whole season and play 30 minutes a night with great defensive metrics. I almost feel like at that point, Faber would be more deserving, and the and the odds were like plus 1,000, I think, when I got him. Um, I just want to know what your guys' thoughts are. Like I, When I tweeted out that I, I loved Bedard or I loved Faber's odds after the Bedard injury, Everybody pushbacks like he could miss eight weeks and come back and he's still going to win this no matter what. What do you guys think about that? I don't hate the favor one. I think he's probably the best rookie you could go. But maybe I, Luke I Hughes a, would be the only other one that I, I, I got a random sleeper and I'm probably dumb for even suggesting this. But Connor Zari out in Calgary, 21 points in 31 games. This guy is not far off of. He's only three points off of being second among all rookies in scoring right now. Obviously, Bedard's there, but it's someone who realistically across a full season is right in the top three there in points. If he, if he, if he started the year on the squad and uh, if he can continue to roll out in Calgary, I could see him sneaking by and uh, we're talking about an award. That's going to be potentially a crapshoot If, if we see longer than eight weeks for Bedard, cause who knows with that team, we do know Chicago is um, purposely, or I was going to say, eh, they're just losing. That's what Chicago's doing right now. Um, so who knows? You know, eight weeks down the line, they could say, we want to protect our superstar. We're going to keep him out a little bit more. And if that's the case, and Faber's ice time comes down a little bit, there's going to be other other people they're looking at. And if Zari's second in points, or at that point first, he's going to start uh, turning some heads. I just really like his production earlier. He's really, you know, been an absolute surprise for me, at least this year. Yeah, I, I do think, I mean, in the odds books reflect that, that Luke Hughes is probably the best bet just because offensive production tends to weigh more heavily. Although I, I am with you, Brock, super impressed with your namesake, Faber. Um, and I, I think he's going to be a tremendous defenseman in the league uh, for years to come. But it's, it's you know, he hasn't even really held on to that top uh, power play spot the entire time since they've kind of gone through the injuries that they have. And uh, presumably they get healthier at some point. Dougie Hamilton is not coming back. I think Luke Hughes has got that locked and loaded on that first power play unit in New Jersey. So I, I would expect his production to carry him a little bit further, but uh, I still think it's going to be Bedard. Like it's, I, I, again, I don't think it's worth putting much money on it. I mean, the odds do kind of vary pretty heavily. There's some sports books that have Luke Hughes as low as plus 400. There's some that are around plus 1200. So if you're in the more the 12 or 13 to one range, uh, then maybe Luke is worth a little bit, but it's, I, I still think they're just going to look so favorably on Bedard. I think he'll still easily lead rookies in all scoring. And I think they'll take into consideration the fact that he missed as much time as he did and still accomplished that. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, unless he suffers another injury um, where it's not like, you know, fractured jaw, it's not that lingering type of injury. It's not a muscle injury where you're worried about him maybe re-aggravating when he comes back. Uh, I, I still think he easily sweeps out this award come the end of the season. And that is going to do it for season nine, episode 27 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast presented to you by our friends at Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Must be 19 years of age or older. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. And I hope you guys enjoyed the fantasy hockey first half MVPs and fantasy awards and also our reward predictions. Hopefully you can lay some money and maybe win some long shot bets there. Uh, it's no fun to bet on guys that are minus 450 uh so you might as well take some long shots see what you can get find some value on the board um yeah i'm brock segan we got dylan d birthday michael beast bondy until next week cheers it was cold in here without d streamers peace
No one playing Friday and Sunday. No streamers. Peace. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.